we've had a couple weeks where we have recorded personal interviews with people who've left the church. We had the threesomes with Joe, and then the threesome with Brittany. So we're getting threesomed out. I think we need to take a break. Um, I I don't know. I'm sore. I don't know about you, Dave. I've had enough threesomes for a little bit. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the details. (laughs) But let, let me say, and because I would assume they will probably listen to this podcast, both of them. Yeah. Very enjoyable. And I apologize to Brittany that I didn't say thank you at the end of the podcast. I don't know where my mind was, but thank you, yeah. Brittany, for doing that with us. They were both just excellent. I agree. Yeah, excellent. So good to talk to people about their real experiences working this out, right? Trying to figure yeah. out, well, what is real, which is part of the little cheesy <laughs> thing that we're talking about today. So you will recall with Anchors and Parquet, so now we've got part two of that podcast going on here. We talked about the LDS Church and the matter of objective versus subjective reality and what the church tries to teach you about that from a doctrinal perspective. What is really real and what is imaginary or whatever. And you'll recall we talked about Rusty Ball's talk, Answers to Life's Questions, from back in 1995. We just started introducing the What is Real cheesy 1980s movie (laughs) from the church that they put out. And we're going to share some more clips of that today. Let me just pull back for just a second. Yeah. Big picture. Mm -hmm. People, be very careful who you go to for the answers to life's questions. Mm. That's what this is all about. Where are you going to go? I would say go nowhere except within, but you know that about me. I believe that's where the real answers are. If you're going to go to a religious entity, well, good luck. Yeah. You're getting their answer. That's right. (laughs) If that makes sense. And it probably is not your answer. So, okay, let's keep moving. I got to agree 100%. I think that for each of us, we have already what we need inside. Yeah. That chord, that resonance, that direction, if you will. What is the real us? What is our genuine life? Who are we? And we already know the answers to those questions, but it's a matter of, I guess, rediscovering that within us. Yes. That's what it's uh, waking up to what is already there. Yeah. But this brings up another point about an entity. Think of the arrogance. Uh, Active Mormon would not think of it that way, of course. Oh, no, these are the authorities. Mm. And this is where I should go. I should go to them and to the scriptures. Think of the arrogance of telling anyone, let alone the entire fucking global community, what life is about and what you should be doing and what's really going on. That's like some ultimate arrogance to me. It it is. It is. It's like pissed off level frustration for me when I see people essentially pressing their own agenda, their own concept on others. Like, and on anything, anything. yeah, Yeah. Taking this, I don't know, position of superiority. Superiority. You you, you can't even know what we know. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're so goddamn stupid and incapable. Yeah. But never mind. We'll show you the way. Yeah. We'll try to help Uh, you, poor uh, saps. You know, uh, yeah. You can't conceive of the real truth and we'll, we'll give you as much of it as you can handle, you know, fucking (laughs) assholes. So, Dave, (laughs) we will pause there. So people, you know, look forward to a little bit more with some audio clips. I know you're aching for those because cheesy 1980s LDS films is what we all wish we could listen to every day. We're going to share some (laughs) audio clips uh, from that What Is Real movie. We're going to talk at the end a little bit about some other concepts. We brought up The Matrix in our last episode and how that relates to this concept of waking up, discovering what's real. We'll talk about the Truman Show a little bit. We might share a little bit of that because that's, I think, another great movie media example of this concept. 
which shows that it's present somewhere in the the collective consciousness or there's wouldn't be movies about it if there wasn't somebody and it's not just one person obviously thinking about the possibility surrounding this topic agreed so before we jump into all this goodness let's talk dave about the LDS Church in So, speaking of topics that regularly piss me off when I read them as news, here's one from the Salt Lake Tribune. Lawsuit accusing relatives of LDS Church president of sexually abusing children dismissed. Ugh. Yeah, so here's a good one for you guys. If you hadn't heard about this, this one is a little shocking and frustrating. A lawsuit filed in Salt Lake City's federal court in 2018 alleging sexual abuse and a cover-up involving family members of the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, was dismissed this week. So listen to a little bit of these tidbits as I read some summary from this, guys, and tell us if you think there's a little money changing hands here and there might be a little... Uh, yeah, that was my first question. How much of that $200 yeah. billion did they have to give away to yeah. make Cron- this go away? Remember yeah. the concept of cronyism that we've talked about several times in For Your Information, right? The case was filed by six unnamed plaintiffs, identified as Jane's and John's, you know, Doe, against Brenda and Richard Miles. I don't know if you recognize those names. That is the daughter and son-in-law of Rusty Nell. Hmm. Okay. Brenda is his daughter. Richard Miles is her husband. The Mileses, I hate, oh my God, that can't be correct grammar, but whatever. The the Mileses (laughs) vigorously denied the allegations. Of course they did. Listen to some of these details, guys, and you tell me. Also, weigh your opinion on the evidence that we've seen within the church of sexual abuse. Okay. I'm just telling you, include that in your decision of what you think is going on here. Attorneys for the plaintiffs and defendants filed a motion Wednesday to dismiss the case, which was granted the next day by U.S. District Court Judge Jill N. Parrish. Now, I haven't looked up Jill Parrish and her relationship or not, or her membership in the church or not. I can make some presumptions there. <laughs> based on the result of what happened. But you guys tell me what you think. The lawsuit was dismissed with prejudice, meaning it cannot be refiled again. Quote, The Miles are grateful for our judicial process that resulted in the dismissal of the case, which should never have been brought in the first place. Oh, of course not. The couple's attorney told Fox 13 on Friday. The plaintiffs dropped the suit. Their attorney, Craig Vernon, told the station after a recent Utah Supreme Court ruling, quote, eviscerated their case. Now, here's one piece that absolutely pisses me off. And anybody living in Utah should be equally pissed off. You ready for this? The decision deemed that a new state law removing the statute of limitations in civil suits alleging sexual abuse could not be applied retroactively. Oh, for fuck's sakes. It's all retroactive. Yeah. It's all about something that happened. Hello? In the past? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, how do you like what that? How do you like that? Fucking Utah, man. Fuck. Yeah. God. Yeah. How do you oh, like that? Mind. That's that's Sorry about all the F bombs and the No, that's not something to piss you off, is it? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? That's why you take a statute of limitations off of something like sexual abuse. How many people as you've looked at these cases historically, they just can't get it you know, the courage or whatever, the help, the counseling, whatever needed to finally, as an adult, come out and say, you know what, as a kid, I was abused. That's why you take that statute of limitations away. And you're saying you can't apply that retroactively. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) That's the entire... That's the entire uh, point. That's the approach of the church. If you think about it with everything, all of the past history, hey, 
if enough time goes by, it'll just go away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wrong. Listen. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Listen to this, guys. Listen to this. It gets worse, but it's interesting to hear the details, some of the details anyway, of this case. The now-dismissed lawsuit alleged that a man identified in court documents as the, quote, perpetrator, unquote. So I'm guessing that the perpetrator is Richard Miles, okay, the son-in-law of the prophet here. The perpetrator sexually abused his children in 1985. It also says a 16-year-old babysitter was both victimized and victimized others, the suit then accuses Brenda and Richard Miles of abuse. Okay. Quote, Doe 1 male defendant and Doe 2 female defendant led what they called touching parties at their home and at the perpetrator's home. These, quote, touching parties were sometimes attended by acquaintances and friends of defendants and the perpetrator, the lawsuit states. Touching parties. Now, you guys tell me, with what we've read, even about stake presidents, right? Certainly about multiple, multiple bishops, but even stake presidents. You may recall, guys, an episode David and I did uh, some time ago, Dave, where we talked about the general authority who was friends with Richard Scott, Richard G. Scott. Yes, right. And he helped Richard Scott way back in the day. They participated in translating the Book of Mormon to Spanish. Uh, or like a new edition of that. That guy, remember, had abused his grandchildren and his daughter. And the husband woke up and he's like, what the fuck? I didn't realize this. And his wife broke down and told him. And so that whole fiasco and how the church, you know, ran to the rescue, a defense of this guy. There is pedophilia rising to the very top ranks in the church. And so here you have the prophet's fucking daughter and her husband involved in this shit. And you tell me if that doesn't ring a bell of truth. At least Touching possibility. Parties. Touching parties. Reminds me of the song by Judas Priest, Touch of Evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I wish we could play that. So guys, I can't do any more news today because that's so fucking disturbing. Okay, let's just let's, you know, call yeah, it. Yeah, we're not going to make that. it go away, but we got to no. move on cuz I'm going to Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah, I'm going to end up <laughs> And guys, you know, here's the question and we'll obviously visit this in the future as more news comes out. How much of this is going to come out? I mean, now we're talking about the prophet's family which is about as high as you can get, right? Unless one of the participants was Rusty Nail himself, which I guess we'll never know. How deep is this? How much of an issue is this? Is this a Catholic church priest level issue here? I think it is. I think it is. And I think we have a serious problem going on here in the LDS church, regardless of everything else that Dave and I talk about the truth issue and misleading people and major decisions in their life, right? Telling them all these lies and this fabricated bullshit based on Joseph Smith's, whatever, dream, uh, <laughs> hallucinations. One right? of his the, wet dreams, yeah, yeah. There's that, but then when you add prolific sexual abuse into an organization, now you've taken it to another level, right? And it just fucking pisses me off, man. There's not an area where they haven't abused things oh, God, uh financially politically yeah. sexually name an area yeah. where yeah they, all major they've twisted it so on that happy yeah. note dave <laughs> i yeah. want a little bit more information so i'm gonna ask for our segment called for your information all right people it is 1934 now, some of this, I, I've said it for the last several podcasts, it's just historical, but it's interesting as hell. To me, it's interesting what was going on in the world, mostly in the United States for the most part, and with the church. Mm-hmm. So, it's 1934, November 27th, gangster Babyface Nelson kills Samuel P. Cowley. Special agent with recently formed Federal Bureau of Investigation. Cowley, first Mormon FBI agent, is son of former Apostle Matthias F. Cowley. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I had no idea 
about that. So, uh, oh, Babyface got him. <laughs> wow. Now it makes me wonder with Babyface's last name, was he related to Rusty Nell? Yeah, Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, let's move into 1935. And here it is. There's more on it, but it's just this statement. Utah makes unlawful cohabitation a felony. Hmm. So we moved from Joseph in the barn with everything that was considered female at the time <laughs> to, <laughs> to this statement. Well, now it's a felony. So we're really serious about it. By the way, when am I going to marry that second wife? Uh, in the, meet me in the temple. No kidding, right? Because I, yeah. yeah, I guarantee it was still going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's jump down to September seventh. First excommunication of many Mormon fundamentalists who refused to sign loyalty oath that, among other things, it denies any intimation that any one of the presidency or apostles of the church is living a double life. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Okay, check this out. Later, these excommunicants learn of Apostle Richard R. Lyman's polygamous double life at this time. Oh, my God. See? <laughs> yeah, so Lyman was living in polygamy even during this time when they said it's a felony. Yeah. I was, I was going to hold back on this mm. because we're talking about the nature of reality and the church's version of what reality is. There's a song by The Who just love it. Can you see the real me? And, yeah. But this this fits this year where he's he'd be out there, you know, in front of a conference or something. Can't you see the real me? <laughs> Can you? Can you see the real me? Uh, you know what I just saw yeah. was Joseph well, Smith we out on the stage before the concert like welcoming everybody out and then saying, hey, you know, just a real quick note here. There's been some accusations that I have more than one wife. Let me just say, you know, Emma, come on up here. Thanks, Emma. I see only one wife here. Because <laughs> you only called one up. Oh, oh you fucking bastard. Lyman, you go, man. Joseph Smith follower to the T. Okay. There it is. There it is. We're going to jump into 1936. In the church section of the Deseret News, a photograph of LDS basketball team in Germany giving the Zig Heil salute of the Nazi party. Wow. <laughs> No, let's keep going. There's some more. Oh, my and there's God. Quite, quite a, think of the time. Think of 1936 oh and what's going on, the yeah. rise of the Nazi party. Yeah. We're going to be in World War II in three more years. So here's some more. July 18th, church section again. Photograph of LDS Youth Conference in Germany with Apostle Joseph F. Merrill in front of swastika banner of the Nazi party. Oh, that's no, that's not enough. August 7th, 1937 <laughs> issue also prints a photograph of church president Heber J. Grant seated in front of a swastika banner at the LDS meeting in Frankfurt. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, man. Oh, wow. Shit. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> Holy okay. shit. One more from that year. So we're going to get a lot of politics and things in the next few podcasts and, you know, with the war and mm -hmm. Nazism and so forth. October 31st. All right. Halloween. First Presidency publishes an unsigned editorial in the Deseret News, which argues against re-election of Democratic President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Um, Do you remember growing up in the church and hearing that we don't tell you anything about who to, yeah. to vote for no we don't politics. persuade you yeah you vote your conscience was the way they put it yeah and apparently that wasn't in place back then yeah another but fucking check, lie yeah check this out though utah electorate re-elects fdr again despite first presidency's opposition <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> 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 oh god that's, that's pretty that's funny probably enough 
the, yeah. the next entry really shifts gears oh. about the Eleusinian mysteries, and which wow. it's it's interesting as hell. hell. But wow. yeah, the, fun and games. Uh, <laughs> I just love it though when the majority of the membership of the church just tells the first presidency to take a hike. Man, you know? Fuck off. You know that does surprise me. I always grew up, and I, I don't know about you, Dave, what your kind of like assumptions or you know, perceptions were. I always felt for some reason. Like those were the good old days, the pioneer days, even into the 1930s and maybe even beyond a little as far as like I imagined the church back then, like super obedient, super following everything the brethren said, stemming back to their pioneer roots, right? Like, and yeah, we're seeing that that wasn't the case. There was well, a big, that's you know, the yeah. picture that was painted for us. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, we didn't even have to assume it on our own, but, oh, yeah, it was probably like that. No, that's how it was taught. And when you go through church history, there's a class. Gospel doctrine. Yeah, yeah. We go through the standard works. And when you're going through the DNC, you also go through church history. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is one big whitewashed fairy tale. <laughs> Not unlike what we're shown in The Matrix and not unlike The Truman Show. Here's what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. This can is reality. Can you see the real me? Can you? Yeah. This is reality. <laughs> yeah. I definitely grew up feeling that, that or yes. having that yep. image that, oh, the church has been so obedient up to now. Follow those strong roots. And nowadays, the church has a problem that's just starting where the yeah. members sometimes don't listen to the prophet or, you know, don't well, fall into that trap. And it started a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. And what we were taught is it was basically, you know, the sixties, yeah. the expansion of consciousness mm -hmm. with the music, the drug taking, of course, and the whole, Sex, the whole hey, fuck the system, fuck the man. You know, we're going to go see what we can figure out on our own. A few people successfully did. Most didn't. Yeah. Most just kind of, got high and stumbled yep. <laughs> didn't really accomplish anything but anyway so that's what we were taught growing up is you know society is going to hell in a handbasket and don't follow the ways of the world it's so obvious how completely lost they are they are stumbling around in the dark bumping their heads and you don't have to because you're a Mormon. You have the answers. You know the way. Yeah, yeah. Aren't you lucky? Yeah, lucky son of a bitch. Yeah, that's what that's what we all are. Man, thanks, Dave, for that entertaining and somewhat shocking in some instances information of church history, mm -hmm. which, again, I'm learning something, many things new every damn time. <laughs> it's like... I thought I knew a lot of church trivia. God, I could go on church Jeopardy now with some of this fucking... <laughs> For $20. <laughs> God who damn. was that masked man? <laughs> yeah. Who, oh, another COVID survivor. Oh, okay. Who was the 20th apostle who led a double life in this time of the church? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? All of them. <laughs> man. All right, bro. So, hey, guys, going back yeah. to our prior episode, part one, we mentioned, and here's a little reminder of what we're talking about with this wonderful, cheesy 1989 release, What is Real? Let's start that off again. What you're looking at here is a, a movie set. For the next few minutes, I'd like to use all of this to, to tell you a little story. It's... Uh, <laughs> Well, it's a story about a young father who's searching for some real answers for his family about the purpose of life. Now, whether or not the answers he finds are real or pretend like scenery on a stage, well, that's really up to you to decide. Okay. So we had okay. played that last time. So missionary approach number mm -hmm. seven. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're just here to offer something for your consideration. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't accept it, you'll burn for eternity, but you yeah. know, it, yeah. it's still your choice. So still your choice. And we can tell you that it's true for sure. We know it is by the way, 
we so, think we know. No pressure. <laughs> we believe we know. Well, that's, I yeah. Orrin Hatch didn't make a good missionary. They had to send him home early because he kept saying that shit. No, they know. They know. They don't think they know. And so no pressure, right? You got a couple guys here you like. You've had us over a few times. We've talked about these really deep topics together. And by the way, we know this is true. But, you know, it's up to you to decide. <laughs> Okay, no mind fuckery there from the very beginning. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, is it all just uh, you know scenery on a stage, or it, it is just, it real? I don't want to yeah. take too much of an aside. Was there ever a moment? I know there was for you, and there certainly was for me when what you were being taught at the MTC and otherwise as a missionary just went against your own moral compass. Yes, where you're like, no, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. And yet, no, yeah. just comply. Put the quarter in the machine. Meep, meep, meep. <laughs> I am Mormon missionary. I will say these oh, words. Wow. Okay. Enough, enough. When you did yeah. that voice, I just thought of this. Tells you where my brain is half the time. Ronnie James Dio. <laughs> what the yeah. hell? Yeah, and he's got that album. I think it's on the Angry Machines album. Where he's got the robot. This, what is love? Why is love? Where is love? <laughs> and to add to that list of questions, what is real? Yeah, yeah. Why is real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so here we go. I'm not going to play the first part of this. I'll give you guys a little summary. So he has a dream. So he plays this man married to this woman, and he. But you know, in the film, they take it as like he's he's an actor. Like he just came out and told you, right? Here's this is a stage. I'm an actor. I'm gonna act this role out and play this story for you, right? And so that's kind of the feeling. And then he plays this dad of this little girl. They've just had this baby, so it shows the birth and everything. Oh, touchy-feely because that's not an emotional setting and certainly not on purpose <laughs> no <laughs> and so uh random. he has this dream where he sees his daughter like fast forward growing up right and there's all these potential moments in life where he feels like i gotta know the fucking truth about this stuff right which is pretty typical you know for a young parent if they there's a lot of weight you know on your shoulders and you have this life right that you're supposed to, it, to it's a lot like uh there. when you first enter puberty exactly this is like the next stage where it's Major. like oh man i yeah. i gotta keep my shit together here exactly. i got responsibilities now you know well and they play off of that of course because as a parent you would definitely want to know like what should i tell my kid about these things like is there life after death and you know, why are we here and what is the purpose of life? And those, those big universal questions, right? And so I get it. You know, he wants to, so he has this dream probably based on his stresses and worries as a dad, right, about these things. He sees his daughter as a toddler at one point playing ball and she runs out in the street to get her ball, gets hit by a car, right? So like, what if she dies, you know, kind of thing. He sees her growing up as a teenager and she has the teenager rebellion period. And I'm tired of not fitting in, Dad. I want some friends. And so, like, it shows her in the movie. She's, like, smoking a joint in the school bathroom. <laughs> and uh, she's echoing her voice in his dream. I'm not hurting anybody, am I? Come on, Dad. It's only fun. Besides, you minute. only go around what's once. Your, what's her name? I think I know her. Never oh, mind. Okay. Wow. Uh, 89 think back okay so okay. she's like besides you only go around once don't you and so there's all these little sayings what are we here for anyway dad don't you know if you're so smart you tell me <laughs> oh, that's good and that's it's good. not mine dad rachel left it here when she slept over the other night oh <laughs> uh, what's another quote i mean when it's over it's over so what what comes next nobody really knows the world doesn't make much sense anyway does it i mean does it dad what are we here for anyway why should i even go on living and then at the oh, end uh yeah. i'm afraid dad help me dad and then he wakes up from his dream at that point and his wife's like honey what's wrong you know 
And so here's what he says when he wakes up from the dream. He rushes into the little baby's room. Obviously, everything's okay. And he's looking at the baby. And his wife is standing there. And this is, this is the next little scene. She's going to be gone at 20 minutes. And I don't have the answers. What answers? What are you talking about? <laughs> the answers oh. to the questions she's going to ask us. I mean, like, who am I? What am I doing here? What is life all about? Honey, she's only a couple weeks old. Besides, I thought I was the one who worried about things like that. Yeah, but you just can't run away from it. Look, someday she's going to need to know the answers to these questions, and it's our job to tell her. And how do you tell her about things that you're not sure of yourself? Ooh! I don't know. You do what our parents do. You wing it. Fake it. Come on, look at her. She's fine. You do what our parents did. You wing it, his wife says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, you have to do a lot in you, life. You don't know anything more than your kids know, but you're in a position, at least in your own mind, <laughs> of yeah. authority. Yeah. What it is is a position of responsibility. Yeah. So why I'm saying that is the parents now assuming a role as leaders of the church, it's one and the same in this scenario. These are the ones that, have to pretend to have the answers, whether it's the parents of the daughter or the leaders of the entire church. Somebody has to know yeah. what these answers are. You'd hope so. And, and yeah. So we, we will assume that role. Right. No, no problem. Right. Just chill out, smoke another doobie. and yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and I have to kind of side with the wife here, right? Like he's like, I yeah. got to know whatever, which I have to admit, I have an analytical mind. I like to know what I think are the answers to things. I, I don't like to just take things at their surface, right? Like I like to know what makes them work and is this real or not? You know, kind of each of us has a little bit of that at least. So I'm more like the dad probably in this thing, but the wife's like, well, you do what our parents do. You wing it, right? You try your best. You try to give people, you know, give your kids good measuring sticks, if you will, and they'll find out what works for them, right? Is kind of her approach. So he goes on, he talks about like his life as a kid and he has this conversation with his dad. You know, it's not like I didn't wonder about the purpose of life before I got married, had a child. I mean, come on, doesn't everybody? But you know, <laughs> oh my God. There is something about seeing that little face looking up at you that, well, I'll tell you, makes finding those answers much more urgent somehow. Now, of course, the hard part is figuring out where to start. I mean, what do you ask and what do you turn? And I don't know, I guess most important, how do you know when you've actually found the truth? Yeah, so... Oh, now, there's a legitimate fucking question right yeah, there. Right. How that, do you know? That's the first legitimate thing he said. Yeah. How do you know <laughs> when you found the truth? So he goes back... Not, and, notice that sappy-ass music oh, in the yeah. background, oh, which worse. is pulling, pulling at your heartstrings, oh, and it's yeah, yeah. the mellow, dramatic, oh, oh God! Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah, so like... So he goes back in time. He throws on a Letterman coat and hat and baseball glove, whatever. And he goes back to like when he was a teenager. And he had a conversation with his dad in the garage about this kind of thing, right? You know, I think the greatest lesson I ever learned from him. His dad. It's when I asked him a question that he didn't have the answer to. Yeah. So there you go. Greatest lesson I ever learned from my dad is when I asked him a question that he didn't have the answer to. So his dad was definitely not a member of the church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty funny, bro. <laughs> right? Because he would have all the answers, at least oh, to the yeah. important shit, oh, right? He, he knows it, right? He would know all the answers. So here's what his dad says. They have this conversation, right? And he, it's like he's a teenager at this time, and he's like, Dad, I don't even know. How do I know what I want to be when I grow up? Right? How do I figure this out, this whole life thing? You know, it, which, again, 
pretty typical for teenagers to wonder about stuff like that. So this is what his dad says, and this is the big play. And this is kind of, uh, well, you'll see. See what you think about this. Well, the older you get, the harder the questions are. Unfortunately, the tougher it is to find the answers. Well, that's comforting. Not true. Oh, anyway. Hey, look, Sandy, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I wish I had all the answers for you, but even if I did, I'm not going to be around forever. The thing I've learned, though, is the more important the question, the more the answer comes from your heart. The really important questions are answered here. Well, he's definitely not a Mormon. Profound or naive. That sure has worked for your mother and me. All right. So From the heart? This guy's a Taoist or a Buddhist or yeah. something. Sure the hell isn't Mormon. But what do you think's gonna happen now in the in the show since his dad said listen to your heart to know if something's true? Oh feelings. Yeah. So here's a good question. And when he leaves his dad's, you know, history back in time thing when he was a teenager, this is what he says now as he's transitioning back into an adult for the audience. Here we go. I didn't think to ask him at the time. The question has come up many times since then. What do you do when your heart says one thing, but your head says something else? Okay. Oh, that just opened a can of worms. Yeah, and that's a huge thing, right? And so, again, this is one of the things that bothers me about the methodology of the church and how they make these films and ultimately how they teach things over the pulpit. It's the same technique. Listen to your heart, right? Which I would say is true. However, how do you interpret that? And what's the difference between a feeling, right, a warm and fuzzy feeling and your heart really saying something is real, right? And another thing that he just pointed out, if your heart says one thing, your mind says something else. So let's just say that, you know, logic and reasoning tell you one thing, feelings and emotion perhaps, or, you know, whatever, say something else. Which do you trust, right? And great fucking universal question for life right i mean hey those are important questions one that we've touched on so many times yeah right but what does the church do with that the church would say Mm -hmm. for example you do some research heaven forbid and you find out logically with your intelligence and your reasoning and your research holy shit joseph smith was having sex with 14 year olds right and your mind is telling you, well, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> but they say, I, I, never mind all the warts of the past. <laughs> yeah, what was the word Hinckley used? The blips or blips. some shit? Like, blips, yeah. yeah, those are blips in the past. Listen to your heart. What does the feeling tell you? Is the church true or not? Don't listen to your mind that pedophilia was wrong for Joseph, right? (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. Shouldn't there be a play between reason and logic and feeling? Shouldn't there be a synthesis? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't the one support the other? Exactly. And they are meant to be worked in tandem, not uh, opposing each other. Right. That's called... Like mental illness, for instance, on one extreme and Mm. yeah, (laughs) I guess the same thing on the other extreme. I mean, if you only trust your mind, you're going to have a troublesome life. If you only trust your feelings, which I would agree is different than Mm -hmm. trusting your heart. Yeah. But see, that's where the church hopes you don't look into what they mean by that. Of course, this is what they mean. If you pray about it and you get a little moisture in your eye. Well, fuck, there you go. That's, That's your true. answer. That's true, yeah. The hell with all of the history and the logic. Mm-hmm. Throw it out, mm-hmm. throw it out. Yeah, and so interjecting here, I think you guys get the clue. I mean, I think what David and I are suggesting maybe is a harmony between yes. your 
reason and logic center, which is there for a reason, right? No pun intended, I guess. And your heart, or and even if you want to throw feelings in there, if there's a cacophony or a huge disagreement between the two, it's probably something you shouldn't decide right away. You should probably spend more time on that decision because if all the reason and logic in the world is saying, yeah, experience and history and data here says this ain't no good, (laughs) you might want to listen at least a little bit to that, even if your feelings or whatever, but it feels right. You know, so anyway, there's there's that dualistic, not only nature of life Mm -hmm. uh, in this three dimensional world, but with an extra emphasis, thank you, LDS Church, for making sure that everything is black and white. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Because that simplifies life, you see. It does. Don't just, oh, yeah. it makes it so much easier to make those decisions. Now it's it's either A or B. It's not a blend of both. What? <laughs> Fuck. Which is a dismissal of the real life experience around us. So his wife comes in, the actress playing the wife, right? And she says, well, you know, well, let's see what she says here. A whole lot about religion until the baby. And then our different backgrounds and personalities really came out. Sandy was more concerned about finding a religion that would help us teach Jennifer how to solve life's daily problems. And I was worried about the eternal nature of things. Um... So he's the lo- the logical, analytical, solve the daily life problems dad. And men are often that way. I don't want to overgeneralize, but you know the male psyche is often yeah, that way. Yeah. But I think they go a little too far here, right? So a now, non- now I'm going to say something yeah. that's going to get me in trouble. But the way I was taught about the difference between men and women is that men want to fix it and women want to talk about it. Yeah, right? Well, and, and that's not fair. That's no. not really fair. Yeah, but it's saying something deeper, which may have some truth to it, right? That they are more listeners to the heart. Absolutely. Where men are more listeners to the brain, right? And I I think that's probably true from what I've seen in my own life as a man with my... Intuition. And versus my wife, right? But what cracks me up here is, you know, a non-Mormon, but I was more concerned about the eternal nature of things. (laughs) Um. Why? Unlikely that a non-Mormon is going to even use that word, eternal. But what the fuck are you talking about? And she goes on to explain a little bit. But here they're now meeting with the missionaries. Let's listen to a little bit of that. First of all, uh, why do you believe what you do? And secondly, how has it made your life better? Well, um... This is a missionary. Okay. This may not make a lot of sense at first, but I'm a musician. And before I learned about the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, my life was kind of like a piano with only a few keys. I could make music with a few keys, but um, when I learned that there were 88 keys instead of 20, then the the music I could make was uh, total and full. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's the one companion. It's like having all uh, the keys on the keyboard. So the yeah. extra 60 keys are the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, all the fucking doctrines that are not found anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And from that, you'll get a real sonata. Yeah. And here's his companion who's from Japan, and this is where they play the emotion card. So check out this guy if you can refrain from laughing through his comments. Okay, here we, here we go. Here's the companion. What about you, Elder? The Restored Gospel has changed my life a lot, too. It was about 10 years ago. I was my hometown of Okinawa, Japan. And I met two missionaries just like us. And they talk about the Gospel of the Jesus Christ. And I felt something special. And I pray about it. And now I know that God lives and He loves us very much. 
All right. Wow. Yeah. Love the strings. Love that music. I mean, that is not going to engender a certain kind of emotional response at yeah, all. It's, it's not going to prompt filler. you. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to prompt you in any direction on the message you're being given here. And again, we got to play the emotion card, right? I, and I pray about it. And now I know. Oh, you know. Okay. Wow. Um, he prays. And so yeah. now he knows. And because uh, he felt Can something. I just say something just out, matter of fact, boom, just throw it out there. I prayed a little bit as a Mormon. Oh, yeah. I never got a single answer to any prayer, ever. Yeah, None. And, and, ever. I, That's just me. Yeah, I agree. It's probably because I'm so wicked, of course. But Well, you know. look, bro, compare, contrast. People will have different experiences. Same. I always wanted it because I was taught, as you were, right, as all members are, that if you're worthy enough, if you believe enough, when you pray, you'll have this experience and you'll hear an answer You'll or you'll feel an answer. No. No, never. No. I mean, there were times when I kind of consoled myself and I'm like, oh, I, I feel good right now. That must be... I look back now and it's easier for me to see now, of course, with perspective, that... That was me, kind of, I wanted it so badly that I was willing to, I don't know, trick myself. Well, yeah. <laughs> what it is, is the presence of absence. Huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, that's uh, profound. There's right nothing there. there, nothing going on. So we, <laughs> we have three final clips here we want to play for you guys. One is they go to church to check it out, and they're listening to these talks, and here's a teenage girl bearing her testimony as part of the program at church that day. Here we go. I started reading the Bible, and I started studying about the mission in life of Jesus Christ. And things started touching me. I read the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, and my faith in Him grew even more. And I started listening to what a living prophet had to say. And for the first time in my life, I prayed really hard. Hard. Mm -hmm. Hard. And God didn't answer me all at once in loud shouting. But the answers did come in small, tiny ways and whisperings in the heart. Through these experiences, I've, I've found out that this gospel is true. I love it with all my heart. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. So say many Muslim girls and Seventh-day Adventist mm. girls and Jehovah's Witness Air, girls who Air have also Air. felt the Spirit, right? Yeah. It, God doesn't shout. He whispers. Yeah. And so you must, you know, tune in. And that's one of the metaphors is the radio you know well you're you're just tuned into the wrong channel if you're not getting the answers it's always you it's you you're the That's problem right right if you prayed and nothing happened well mm. you know take a look in the mirror because yeah. there's the there's the problem right Cause, there yeah because god's always there he's just waiting right. on you i mean you you're the one that's fucking it up if you don't hear him right because that's not a mind fuck so and and that doesn't prompt you at all to even make up your own experiences in your mind because it's well, all on and this, you. This is huge because you cannot yeah. remain an active member of the church and not be able to profess openly that you've had said spiritual experiences. Right. There's even if no you, way that's going to happen. Even no if way. you have it. And there's excerpts yeah. we could play, guys. And for those of you who've been active in the church before, You'll know of many of these talks through the years. I'm thinking of a few in particular, one by D. Hoax, where you were literally taught in the church, by the way, if you don't have a testimony, bear it anyway. Because the more you say it, you'll yeah. eventually believe it. Now, what Packer, the fuck Packer's is that? Packer's famous quote was, a, yeah. a testimony is to be found in the bearing of in it. In the bearing so of it. That is... The ultimate mind fuck. I am a fish, and if I st say that enough, <laughs> I will wake up with fins in the morning. All right. 
<laughs> what does that teach people? Think about that. Stand up in front of a fucking audience of people and tell them you know that such and such is true, even though you don't, so you're lying. So stand up and lie every week until lie. you believe it. What the fuck is that? Go on, go on a mission and lie dozens of times a day until, to total yeah. strangers yeah. until it becomes your reality. Wow. Think about that. Way. One last uh, quote. One last quote. And he's going to yeah. tell you. So the actor figured out through his experiences with the missionaries and trying it himself, right? He figured out how to find the truth, Dave. He's going to tell you how to know if something's real. You ready for this? Cool. cool. Okay, here yeah. it is. The more important the questions, the more the answers will come from your heart. But how will you know if those answers are real like the earth around us or, or make-believe like scenery on a stage? Well, to know the truth, you have to pray. <gasps> and when you ask your Father in Heaven with all your heart, His answers will come. Because through Jesus Christ, our Father has created a plan for families to find peace and happiness. And it is real. It is real. So All right. Go. Perfect spot for me to share this quote, just as a, not a synopsis, but just something to add to our discussion here. Real quickly, I have a, a box full of five by eight cards, and I was going to look through the entire box just to refresh my memory of what was in there. And I turned them upside down, then turned them back over as I went through every card. I got to the last card which had I not turned them upside down would have been the first card. <laughs> and that's the only one I pulled out of the list. So I, I am definitely uninspired. I was not listening to the still small voice, oh. but I, I came up with this anyway. This is a guy named Andrew Newberg. It's, it's actually a book on the Jewish teachings. Mm -hmm. And so that has nothing to do with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he says this, that's why religion thrives in an age of reason. And I would call this the age of information, not so much reason, but we get his point. Yep. You can't simply think God out of existence because religious feelings rise more from experience than from thought. They are born in a moment of spiritual connection as real to the brain as any perception of ordinary physical reality. Mm. And so he's, he's, I don't know that he is expounding that. He's pointing it out. Yeah. That that's why God will never go away. People will always follow these emotional impressions as being just as real as tangible objects around them. That's what we're discussing here. Now I know what's real at the end of the thing there. Mm -hmm. So can we fit in a minute or two on the Truman Show? We can. We can. Okay. You, for those of you who have seen the Truman Show, actor Jim Carrey plays this guy who is part of this kind of revolutionary idea where they somebody comes up with this concept of we're going to make a TV show around a kid from when they're born literally right, right. so they'll be born on the show you'll see this baby you know being born on the show and we're going to make a TV show where you're literally watching this baby their entire life from birth to ostensibly death if there were that many seasons right of this show and the kid will never know that they're on this big big stage it's essentially this huge dome that's been made out in hollywood somewhere this huge stage it's got a sky painted on the inside the lights dim down at night right it literally looks like you're living on earth right there's neighborhoods yep. that have been created whatever everyone else literally everyone else in the dome is an actor and this one guy is not. He thinks this is real. And that guy's played by Jim Carrey. And so you have this show where, it, and it's become like the biggest TV show in existence. Everybody watches it all over the world because they're fascinated by watching this guy who doesn't realize. It's like the ultimate reality TV show where the person doesn't even realize it's not their reality. 
And so they're able to do all these things in the show that you wouldn't be able to do if a person, you know, realized they were acting, right? Or that there was a camera. Think about the timing of that movie, because that's when virtual reality Mm -hmm. came to the forefront, you know? Yeah. The glasses and just, you know, just the mention of virtual reality. This is so real. Wow. It's like, it's, I thought it was real. (laughs) Think about this, people. This is a deep philosophical question actually so we we can't touch that we'll get into that in skewed minds yeah you're right uh here's a clip at the end so for those of you who've seen the movie this will be something you remember for those of you who have not and you would like to see it i think it's actually really worth watching it's a really interesting movie then you'll want to pause or skip the end of our podcast because this is kind of a spoiler so turn us off (laughs) if you ever plan on watching the truman show This is at the very end. So he discovers in the movie, and again, spoiler alert, that he lives in this dome and that things are not what they seem to be. And he finds the edge of the dome and he follows it around until he finds this place where there's stairs and the stairs go up and there's a door. And now he's opened the door and he's deciding whether or not to go through. Now, there's a guy who I think is like the producer slash director of the whole show. And I think you said Dave, he's played by Sam Smith. Or, no, I, I can't or, remember that. Sam Harris. Name. He, he was a yeah, main I, character in Apollo 13. And, yeah, yeah. I should have got his yeah. name for us. You guys might recognize his voice. My so, God, he's pretty well known. I, he I, is very well known. And he yeah. kind of plays God. So, like, he'll speak. <laughs> I said, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll speak. To Jim Carrey's character, Truman, he'll speak to him like God would speak to you, right? And so this is the clip where Carrey's deciding, do I go through the door or not? God is trying to persuade him not to. So let's, let's see. I know you better than you know yourself. I never had a camera in my head. You're afraid. That's why you can't. It's okay, Truman. I understand. I have been watching you your whole life. I was watching when you were born. I was watching when you took your first step. I watched you on your first day of school. (laughs) The episode when you lost your first tooth. You can't leave, Truman. She's gone. You belong here. You can tell us. With me. Talk to me. Say something. Well, say something, goddammit! You're on television! And then he says the famous line that's repeated through the show. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And then he walks Uh, in the door. So profound, you know, he runs into a boundary and that's what running into the truth about the Mormon church can be like running into like what, what mm-hmm. hitting a wall, if you will, literally hitting a wall. And you're like, what, what, what the fuck? And then, oh, there's something behind the wall. There's a door here. You go to the door. Do I dare open this door? Yeah. Because of the cost of leaving. Oh, wait, this is all I know. This is all I've ever known. This is real. And you heard Sam's voice, right? He's like, you can't leave. You're afraid. Stay here with me. There it is, people. There it is. Right. You're afraid. Yes. Yeah. We invite you to leave. (laughs) 
walk through the door. We thought, Dave, before this episode, we were talking about what if there was writing on the door. We were sharing all these funny thoughts. And one of the thoughts I had, it says like hell on it, right? And then he sees something was painted over the end and he wipes it off and it's an O. Hello. (laughs) Like, come on in. (laughs) It's not hell. It's yeah, reality. It's just the opposite. It's like, yeah. oh, well, I'll run away from that. Oh, it's hello. Oh, okay. Who's yeah. on the other side of the door? Oh, no, it's two Mormon missionaries. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> another dome. Great. Thanks. Oh, We're going to another. Domes within domes. Domes within domes. Russian dolls. Uh, yeah. Shit. It's pretty intense, folks. It's a, it's a huge topic. Objective versus subjective reality, kind of going full circle back to how we introduced this first part of the episode last time. And look, I am never going to say to people, hey, I have all the answers. This is reality. (laughs) This is subjective. This is objective. Uh, We're all seeking for that objective reality as much as we can find it, I'm sure, right? At least about life's big questions, as they say. The church says they have it. They have the answers. You can't use reasoning. Don't you dare do research. Don't you dare couple thought and reason and logic and your mind. Don't mingle that shit in with feelings. Mm. And I guess my recommendation would be to at least try to balance a little bit of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll conclude today by changing the lyrics to that song from The Who. Mm -hmm. Can you see the real me, too? Can you see the real you? Ah, very nice. Very nice. Nothing to add to that, bro. Take it easy, guys. Love you. And we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.